0: All right, if you have a Bible, open up to Mark 3. Mark 3. Last week we talked about the black box, part one, talking about wisdom. And most of you remember the purple car more than anything else. And that's okay. That's all right. But the main thing we talked about was the, a black box is actually an orange box that is in an airplane And what it does, it is constantly monitoring all the time what is happening in that plane. From the pilots, whatever they are saying, to the different instruments in the plane. They're constantly monitoring things all the time. So that we think the black box or the orange box, because it is orange, but we call it a black box. I don't understand it. That whenever a plane does happen to malfunction and crash... That black box is indestructible, and they find it, and they look into that, and they're able to plug it in and see what went wrong and why it crashed. And the deal is, is that we don't want to wait until we crash to see how we're doing. Because all the time, we have God. All the time, we can go to God. And sometimes we just say, you know what, I don't want to do that, I'm not going to worry about that, and so I'm just going to let that go over there. And, the, and that is the reason we make very unwise choices in our life. And for us to make wise choices, the most important thing to do is go to God with everything. So it's not too late. Some of us like to wait until we've crashed to go check out the black box, when really God is saying, no, 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 I'm here all the time. And from last week, I really hope that we don't wait till it's too late to go to Him. And tonight, tonight I want to talk about embracing our brokenness because every single one of us are broken in some way. Every single one of us. Or right, maybe right now you're like, "Man, I, I'm doing great. Things are good. Life is great." But the truth is, maybe there's some broken parts of you that you are hiding and you don't want anybody to know about. There's some parts of you that, man, if anybody found out, it would be devastating to your life, maybe to your job, to your family. If anybody found out about those broken parts of you. And so, so just to illustrate what it looks like to be broken, I just... I don't even know if this is going to break. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have no idea what's about to happen. I hope this breaks. If not, pretend like it did. Okay, so I'm just going to do it right here. There we go. Broke. Beautiful looking. Sorry, I forgot y'all were here. Just breaking glass down here. This is a good time. This is stress relieving for me. And then that one time I remember. Sorry. This one's for Evan Holbrook right here. He made me mad. And then Brett Highstead sang really good and I wish I could be like him. I did cut myself. Mark 3 verse 1 Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus so they watched him closely so picture this for a second is Jesus is in a synagogue a synagogue was a common place where people went to hang out it was a common place very much like this, where people went and they they talked, they hung out, they worshiped, and that's where they are right now. And in there is a man with a shrivelled hand, and Jesus is there. and so Jesus is in there, and everybody's like, "Whoa like 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 if Jesus walked in right now, like rock like just like, hey, y'all would be like, Jesus is here." What's <laughs> up, so, man? You wanna, if, if it were me, like if that happened for real, like right now, and it, it could, okay, it really, that could happen. I'd be like, Jesus, take the stage. Man, that would be awesome. It would be incredible. I mean, my, my reaction, I, I don't even know what I would do. I mean, I'd be like, it's yours. Forget about the broken glass. I don't even know what I was going to do. but I mean, it, I mean our, our response would be so awesome. You'd be like, Instagram, hey, can I get a selfie with you? I mean, it'd be be great. But look what happens here. Some of the men were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely. It doesn't say they greeted him, not high five, hey, what's up, way to walk on the water, nothing. They just watched him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up. In front of everybody. Now, now that's that's a, that's a crazy deal right there. Do the shriveled hand never met Jesus? Jesus walks in, shriveled hand guy, stand up. Oh, bro, I don't know you. He didn't ask any questions. He stood up. This is a free little lesson. Doesn't even go with this. But when Jesus tells us to do something, we do it. Verse four. Then Jesus asked them, "Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil?" To save life or to kill. But they didn't say a word. They remained silent. Verse 5. He looked around at them in anger. (laughs) That's that's bad. Okay. Like (laughs) he capital H right there. That's he as in God. All right. Looked around at them in anger. That's not a good day. Like if he walked in here and had an angry face. Like angry Jesus God face. Not good. Deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the heredity, whatever that word is, how they might kill Jesus. They're like, oh, oh, he did it. He healed somebody on the Sabbath. If you're talking right now, and you just stop. Thank you so much. You got all day to talk. You can take 10 minutes and shut your face. Thank you. So a little, let's, let's study this scripture for a second. Let's check this out. Let's check this out. So who's in the story? Jesus is in this story. And he's coming in, he's disrupting things. Most of the time, that's how Jesus rolls. Like he just walks in and just disrupts things like, hey, I'm here, I'm going to heal you, I'm going to walk on water, I'm going to make you be able to see, I'm going to heal your hand, I'm going to do this. He's just disrupting things. Someone dies, I'm going to raise them from the dead. Disruptive. Who else in the story? The man with the withered hand. What's his name? The man with the withered hand. Like, that's his name. His name's not John, Bobby, Bill. The only names I can think of. That's it. So what's your name? The man with the withered hand? No, really. No, really. Check my Instagram. Man with the withered hand. 89. B.C. That's his name. And really, that's not a good thing. Because back in the day, you needed a name because your name meant everything. Your name back here meant everything. It showed the lineage or where you came from and what you were going to be your sons, your family, all held on to that name. This guy didn't even have a name because he had a shriveled hand. Shows that he didn't have a job because you were identified with your job. So he had no name, he had no job. He was literally an outcast. Showed that people didn't hang out with him. He didn't have a name. No one hung out with him at all. No one knew him. All he was was the shriveled hand guy. And really what that does is it shows, it shows a few things. It shows that really, yeah, he had a, Something wrong on the outside that he really couldn't help. But most likely because there was something wrong with him on the outside, it caused a lot of pain on the inside. And it caused a lot of stress on the inside. And then, so we have Jesus, we have the man with the withered hand, and we have they. If you look in verse 2, some of them, as they watched... That's the they. They are the Pharisees, we find out later on in verse 5. But they, they remained silent. They remained silent. Instead of, if Jesus walked in here and I knew one of you had something that you, like you were struggling with, something that was going on. Maybe you couldn't walk, maybe you couldn't see, maybe you can't hear, maybe your life is just out of control. I would say, hey, Jesus, seriously, this young lady right here needs you. Can you come over? But they didn't do that. They just watched Jesus to make sure that they could blame him and accuse him. They watched him mess up in their opinion. They were just sitting there like, oh, yeah. Healed him, got him, let's do it. That's the they. That's what they did. Where is the story the synagogue? I already told you that. It's a common place, a gathering. And we have common places too. Those common places are school, work, sports, Starbucks, everywhere. We have common places that we're just at. And the, and the crazy thing is, is that at each and every one of those common places, these three things are there. These three characters are there. Jesus the man with the shriveled hand and they is in every single one of those places. Somebody who's hurting, somebody who is broken is there. Someone who is just watching on the outside like, yes, I want this to, oh, this is going to be great. Then you have some godly people. In most common places, that's real. Now, sometimes the godly people are the ones being like the, like the they, like the Pharisees. Sometimes the godly people are the ones hurting. Maybe on the outside, but most of the time on the inside. So that's where in the story and then when in the story. When did this happen? It happened on the Sabbath. It said Sabbath two times in, that, in, that, in those passages. Sabbath is really the day of rest. It's a day of rest. That's what the Sabbath is. We still have the Sabbath now. On Sunday, Sunday would be called the day of rest. Why is it called the Sabbath? Because Jesus, uh, because God, whenever He created the world, in the beginning, He rested on the seventh day, called the Sabbath. He rested, and so what happens is is that God rested, and so what they did, and what we should do, is that He that we should rest, and they took this as on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, we do no work. And if somebody does work on the Sabbath that's not good, you will be in a lot of trouble or put to death. You're like, I love that. That is awesome. It's really, it's really not. And it's funny, you know, I, I just thought of this. Like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A's closed on the Sabbath. That is awesome. Like, I I seriously hate it because how awesome would it be to drive to Chick-fil-A on Sunday morning before church or for us to have, like, nugget trays at Bible study? We wouldn't know what to do. (laughs) It would be, like, phenomenal. Like, chicken minis. Hey, chicken mini Sunday. But you know what? I'd be so sad if Chick-fil-A opened their doors on Sunday. Like, it would bother me. Because that's something they stand for. And there's there's tons of other businesses. There's tons of other things that are closed on Sunday. And Sunday is a day of rest, a day of worship. And so when it was on the Sabbath, and here's what you need to understand is that on the Sabbath and on that day and all that stuff, Jesus came to him in his witheredness. And the same is true for us today is that Jesus comes to us no matter where we are in our witheredness. Every single one of us in some way, one way or another have have ever felt like this man or we will or we're dealing with it or we're hiding it. He comes to us when we've been caught. Jesus comes to us whenever you've been busted. He comes to us when we've lost a best friend. Either they just said, you know what, forget you, or they've passed away. He comes to us when we lose someone near to our hearts, a family member. He comes to us when our parents are getting a divorce. He comes to us when we want to hurt ourselves. He comes to us in our pain. Jesus comes to us. And so this whole series is on wisdom. And so I just want to rewind a second and let you understand that wisdom is not something that we acquire. Wisdom is not something that we just have. Wisdom is actually, it shows the measurement of how connected we are to God. The wisdom that you have, the wisdom in you. Wisdom shows how connected you are to God. And sometimes we are not very wise because we are not connected to God at all because of our brokenness. Because what we do is we like to hide our brokenness. And we like to cover it up. Because when it's covered, we can deal with it. When it's covered, no one else knows. When no one knows where they're hurting, we can fake it. We can show up on Wednesdays and Sundays and school and sports and be like, it is, I love this world. When really deep down inside, you are dying and you are broken. And we are afraid to let people into these areas of our life. And a lot of our energy and a lot of our time and a lot of everything that you have is spent in covering up your brokenness. Because you think, if I, if I let somebody see what's under here, if, I, if, 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 if Michael knew... If my parents knew, if my teachers, if my coach knew, then, uh, oh, man. Oh, no. If, 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 whew, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this part of my life, and I'm going to, even though I'm hurting, even though it's broken, I'm going to cover it up. I'm going to lock it up. I'm going to swallow the key, and no one's ever going to get in that part of my life, even you, God. So back off. And it's covered. And we think, you know what? I'm going to be okay. But let me just tell you, so much of your energy and so much of your time and so much of your mental power and so much of your heart are going into hiding this part of your life that you are actually not even living up to the fullness that God wants you to be. Because God just wants to say, hey, just give it to me. Just let me take care of it. Do you trust God to take care of it? In verse 4, Jesus says, What's lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill. But they didn't say a word. He's like, He's like, seriously, guys? This guy needs me, shriveled hand man needs me. And you're all looking at me like I don't need to do this because this is a Sabbath. Jesus' is like, I don't care what day of the week it is. I want to heal somebody. I'm gonna heal them. And they're like, okay. Okay. And healing is uncomfortable. Going through healing is so uncomfortable. To heal takes time. I I had surgery uh, earlier this summer. And it was absolutely horrible. It was horrible. But I had to have surgery because every time I would work out or every time I would get up here to talk, every time something would happen, my stomach would just be destroyed. Like it would literally hurt. Like I would walk off the stage and I was in extreme pain on Sundays, on Wednesdays, doing sports, whatever it was. So I had to go get surgery. When I got surgery, I then had to heal. And it was very uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because I like to sleep on my tummy. My big tummy. I don't know why I said that, but I did. I like, I like to lay and I like to bring my arm up like this, kind of under my pillow. And this arm just kind of hangs like this, okay? Like that, if you are looking from the top down, okay? Like this, okay? <laughs> so weird. But that's how I like to sleep. And I'm so, like I could fall asleep right here probably, okay? This looks so funny, I bet. Whatever. Purple car, funny sleeping. <laughs> and so that's how, and that's, by the way, that's not good to sleep that way. Put your camera away. I'm not going to take a picture of me doing that, all right? Come on, I've been doing this a long time, sister, all right? So so it's not good to sleep like that because your shoulder, like mess up your shoulder and hurt, whatever. Pfft, okay, but it's comfortable and I sleep good that way, all right? So for a month and a half, I actually had to sleep on my back. How many you are you a back, who's a back sleeper? Why are you cheering? You're weird, all right? How do you do that? Like, seriously. Like that, that, that's horrible. Like what are you, like, anyways, enough about sleep. (laughs) That's like five people that are back sleepers, you weirdos. All right. You need Jesus. All right. So, So I had to sleep like you weirdos, all right, like this. And I would just lay there and lay there until I finally fell asleep. And I was in pain the entire time. But if I were to turn over and slip in my tummy, not good. Okay? And then when I walked, and and Ryan Herzog came to visit me one day at my house. Rude. (laughs) I'm drugged. Okay? I don't know what's going on. It took me 40 minutes, no lie, to go from, like, my couch to my potty. Okay? Which is literally, like, on the other side of the stage. Okay? 40 minutes. Just like this. Ah, and my sweet wife. You know she's like she's like four seven, really strong. So she's trying to hold me the whole time. And then when we got to the bathroom, that was just a whole other deal. All right. <laughs> Anyways, healing, <laughs> healing, healing brings us into places that are very uncomfortable. When we are healing, it takes us into places that are uncomfortable. Healing is hard. And wisdom tells us that we need to allow God into our lives. Even though there may be some really crazy side effects. Like your family may get really upset with you because you let them know about something that happened a long time ago. It may be really, really Hard And the outcome may be everything you thought it was going to be. But I want you to understand that healing doesn't happen without exposure. Healing doesn't happen without coming out and saying, look, here's the deal. I did this. I this. Here's this. I, wah whatever that may be. Healing does not happen without exposure. And we all have places in our life that we keep in the dark. And God is saying, look, will you stop covering it up? Because when you uncover it and you allow me to heal you, your life will be changed. Because we will be closer and you will become more wise. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed. In verse 5, at their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And his hand was completely restored at that moment. Right there in front of everybody. I mean, right there, this man who is this entire life probably walked around hiding his hand, doing things with it so nobody would see it, and was very ashamed. He didn't have a name. Nobody liked him. He had no friends. He had no job. He had no family. He had nothing. Jesus says, hey, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Take that brokenness and stretch it out in front of everybody right now in the synagogue. And he didn't just stretch out his hand in front of everybody. He stretched out his life. He took his life and said, okay, I'm broken. And he healed him. He healed him. He healed him. He healed him. He He brought him together. when you uncover the parts in your life that you know are broken, God can and God will heal you. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna take time, but God will heal you. Romans 12, one and two says this, therefore I urge you, brothers, And sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world says, hey, keep it in. Don't tell anybody. It's okay. Just keep it right there. No one's going to know. And it just, just pretend like everything's great. That's the pattern of the world. That's the pattern. It says don't conform. Don't be like that. The pattern of the world. But be transformed. Be changed. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is wisdom, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, his wisdom. When we're willing to unveil the withered parts of our lives, then God can heal you, He can change you. Anything you've ever known. And so tonight I this is in front, he did it at a synagogue. And I'm just wondering tonight. Right now, there are people in this room, and you are broken. You are seriously broken, shattered, and destroyed. And you've been hiding some stuff for a long time. And this says. This says that Jesus healed him in front of everybody. And so I'm just curious if tonight you're sitting here and you know that you're broken. And I'm not just saying, hey, you know, you you went and you you, you messed up, you know, a little thing. I'm I'm talking, you've got something in your life that is so dark and so disgusting that if anybody knew, it, it, it would be crazy. But tonight God spoke to you through this message. And you know that he's talking to you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you, and I'm not going to make you do anything else but this. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. And I'm not going to say a word, but I'm going to say, hey, that's step one. There you go. You're saying right now, no clapping, please. Thank you. No clapping, please. You're saying right now, there are parts in your life that are disgusting and dark and gross. And you're standing right now in around 600 people in this room. This is a sign of you stretching out your hand. Now what I'm going to ask you to do, all of you standing, I I said I wouldn't ask you to do anything else. I'm not in this room. But I am going to ask you, those that are standing, I'm going to ask you that you go and tell somebody what it is. And if it's a pastor, if it's someone on my team, if it's your parents, which that's who I would tell no matter what, no matter what you think of them, no matter if you think they don't love you, they love you, I would tell them, and I'm sorry that you don't feel loved by your family at times, but I promise you, no matter how bad it may look, they love you, they love you, they love you. So I would encourage you to go and talk to them. We are here, we're available, and this moment could be life-changing for those of you standing right now, because you're uncovering You're uncovering it. You're saying, okay, 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 okay. I want this again. And he can do it because of the stance that you're taking right now. So have a seat. Thank you. Now, there are some people in the room, and maybe, maybe you just stood up, and that is outstanding. That there are people in this room who are you are shattered you are broken and you are lost and that means you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and man let me just tell you everything I just said about him healing you cannot happen if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ and that's real have you had a moment in your life where you just said Jesus come into my life And wash me clean. And the moment you do that, Jesus comes into your life and changes everything about you. And puts the broken pieces back together. And then you grow in your walk with him. You learn about him. And your life is forever changed. So no one looking around right now. I want to give everybody that opportunity.